0: Podcast number eighty nine. This episode of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tired wheel supplier in North America. Get a grip. Today I'm joined with uh, my fellow Colin Hort here, Aaron Finnell and Regina Nargis. How are you guys doing?
1: Wonderful.
2: Good, just burning up the road, brother. Right on.
0: There you go. There you go.
2: So speaking of, I was at Dawson Tire getting a grip today. Were you? Yep. Well,
0: Good stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a quality place out there. Premier, the premier ag tire and wheel supplier of North America. Cause North they have, America. Well, because they have stores in Canada as well. Right. So they cover it all. They do. So it's been a while since Absolutely. the two of us or the three of us have gotten together and had our had our Monday powwow here. So. What is new and exciting in the world of Regina Nargis? Oh,
1: lots of lots of stuff going on. Uh, definitely a busy time of year um, at work. We definitely have EOP going on, and wheat harvest is in full swing at pretty much all of our locations, as well as um, at Nargis Land and Livestock. We're also in the middle of wheat harvest, so it's uh, running, running every day, trying wow. to keep up.
0: So how, how's the crop look and you getting... Thousand bushels an acre or what do you guys
1: averaging? <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's looking pretty decent. Yep. Um, yields are decent and pretty good, but protein's down, protein's so down, yeah. no shocker there.
0: Yep, Yep. so you're on pace in average time of the year. You guys are about where you should be, or is it that lingering? We
1: have started a little bit earlier than the last few years, but this is kind of over the last 25 years, probably their normal time frame for cutting wheat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, everything's kind of on pace. It's been a little humid here, so it's going a little bit slower these last few days. And we're just hoping for a little rain to help the other crops along, I guess.
0: Right, right. And humidity is a relative term here in western <laughs> Nebraska. So it's, it's probably, what, 20% humidity? And you guys are having to call it call it the day? Is yeah, that, is that well, it's working? a
1: little bit more than that. but Yeah,
0: yeah so it's a, yeah. So some of you folks out there listening to this where it's like 60% humidity right now? I get it because I was in I was back home in Kansas and it was awful. The humidity was, and maybe it's because I got used to being out here now, so now I'm not used to the humidity anymore. But yeah. anyway,
2: Fennel. Yeah, you get acclim- you get acclimated damn quick, man. I hate going back home. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks for uh, the weather. No offense, family. Yeah.
0: Sorry. <laughs> hey, sorry, mom. If you're listening, I, I really want to come home and see you. I promise. Oh. Uh, yeah. So what have you been up to, Fennel? Been a little bit. What's been going on?
2: Selling iron. Been selling quite a little stuff here lately. Combines are popping, and that's what I've been doing. The, the all day today is running all over God's green earth, getting the things rounded up for this combine and that combine, and just keeping keep the keep the floodgates open, buddy. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a since that's your job, that's a pretty good thing to be doing.
2: It is. It is. It's, it's recommended.
0: It's a plus. It keeps, it's good for job security.
2: That's right. That's right. I'm a salesman, but I don't sell anything. <laughs> oh, how's that working? <laughs> That's, uh, that makes
0: it a little difficult, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Well All right. So, Fennel, so uh, the folks that you're dealing with here now, we, we've kind of, you've hit on there, you're selling some combines. Um, we're kind of in that uh, post wheat harvest. Lowell I mean obviously There's still the whole Northern part of the wheat belt that still Needs to be cut yet But we're kind of You know when you Hit the midway point After they kind of Run through our area Uh you start seeing Some folks making Some decisions about Fall equipment Uh what are you Seeing out there And and how is Is that dynamic Working for you
2: You know It's funny because I think the last Podcast we did Was what A couple weeks ago Right before you Went to Wichita and, Mm -hmm. And uh at that time I was saying how there wasn't really any wheat combine sales to speak of. Um, and it was a lot of corn and bean stuff. Well, that is completely reversed (laughs) since that (laughs) very day. Mm -hmm. And it's been a lot of, you know, wheat stuff going here just last minute, but I got, you know, I got some harvesters I deal with, And, you know, they usually wait till they're in the area and we sit down and strike a deal. And so there's been a little bit of that. There's been uh, the corn soybean combine market has quieted, at least to me directly. Um, I'm sure the $2 soybeans is not helping that a damn bit. The uh, and, you know, like the rest of machinery, fall related stuff. Um, you know, of course, tractors are kind of a, for damn sure, like an 11-month out-of-the-year purchase anymore. Um, and they're going fairly steady. You know, I got quite a few guys looking. Um, as far as, you know, fall-specific stuff outside of combines, probably not a hell of a lot. Decent grain cart activity. Um, you know, just kind of the kind of status quo. Combines are day-to-day.
0: What, have you seen anything, I've, and, I've, and the reason I'm asking is because I've looked at a couple of tillage pieces here of late, that have, and it's kind of an abnormal time of the year to look at tillage. Are you hearing are you, get any guys talking to you about some tillage needs they might be looking at towards uh, fall tillage season? Or do you think that's just an anomaly on my end?
2: No, I really haven't seen. Of course, you know, keep in mind, for the job I do, I'm not going to do much with tillage just because of transportation issues. So I don't get into that that much but I know just with talking to guys here and there you know I've had um customers I was with all morning um he was you know he's talking about some tillage stuff I know a couple guys eastern Nebraska talking tillage so yeah there's there's a lot of talk going on and you know one of the biggest things that that all those guys are talking about is uh the high speed disc you know, whether it be Landall, uh, a horse joker, um, a uh, Degelman, there's getting to be a lot of talk on those, on that specific item. Yeah. Um. So that that's you know kind of the main thing that that uh, I guess I have dealt with here as of late. That would be tillage related.
0: Yeah. What's the uh, combine guys you're talking with? What are they trading from? Are they trading up from. You have a lot of 9770 guys coming back to the table and looking at um, getting some, getting some, uh, you know, upward movement from that point. Or do you have more S Series guys that are looking at trading their 12, 13 model, 14 model, something in on that 16 or 17
2: model? Yeah, it would be more, more of the two, two different worlds, Casey. Uh, half of it, two thirds of it would be. Um, I have a 12 or 13 S. I'm trading into a 15, 16 S. And, you know, just the same machine, trading hours. And then the other one would be a 70 series outright deal. Yeah. Yeah. Add, adding the combine, you know, adding a second, adding a third, or I've got a, a 90. Six hundred, and you know I'm gonna sell it myself. I'm gonna keep it around as a spare, you know that kind of deal. In that in that 70 series market, so a little bit of kind of two different ends of the spectrum. But those are the those are the worlds I'm in at the given time. Right.
0: Gina, you filled in for me the last couple of days. You seem to fill in for me a lot, so thank you very much. But you had the la- last couple of days you were kind of helping me pick up some slack on on some other things that i have going on here but when you start looking around at, at what we have coming in what we've talked about and in the various inventory things that we have going on mm-hmm. what do you see as some of the of the big pieces you've been looking at and evaluating
1: there's been a lot of planner action um a lot of planner action and actually um and a lot of a few air seeders too which kind of mm-hmm. surprised me a little bit um but it's just in the last couple of days here, we're ending, getting towards the end of the early order program. So there's been a lot of action on that. We've been looking at a lot of trade-ins um, and tractors, like Aaron said, tractors are seem to be a year round thing anymore. Um, but there's a lot of rolls looking at happening. A lot of guys have ran their machines to 2000 hours and they're looking to get into new machines or almost new machines and upgrades. So, um, Definitely a lot of action here in the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. There's I was surprised more by the number of air seeders that we've looked at than we have planners. Mm-hmm. Um, we I looked at well, I think we've looked at a lot more planners than I was anticipating that we'd look at, so that's a good thing. Um but I think back to what we've had earlier conversations about on this podcast has been a lot of you know, guys are buying because they have to, not because they want to. Yeah. How, how many how many air seeders have we looked at that had twenty thousand plus
1: yeah, I would say yeah. probably ninety percent of the yeah. seeders that we've looked at have had twenty thousand plus acres on them.
0: Yeah, so they're they're hitting that point of having to do some either make a make a payment
1: mm-hmm.
0: and do some reconditioning or is the reconditioning is it juice worth the squeeze when you start looking at the reconditioning costs versus what it would be down the road long term. Yep. Yeah. So Aaron, are you seeing any guys talk to you about seeding equipment right now and, and, and kind of what that dynamic looks like?
2: Planners. Planners. I've got guys who not necessarily putting an order in, but the whole, here's exactly what I want in a used planner. I know they're starting to trickle in so you know what you have. And if you have this, let me know immediately. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think so there's Mike a little there's bit of that.
0: that. Yeah, that, that was the, uh,
2: that's kind of the consensus
0: that I've seen too uh, across the board on that as well. I mean, I think a lot of that Um, overall, kind of the overarching kind of theme there is, again, do I rebuild what I have, or is it, and get the good out of it again, or do I look at some other technology?
2: Right. Yeah, I, you're exactly right. What,
0: what's your take on this right here? All right, so we're looking at, um... A lot of precision stuff has been added to planters here of late right every time you turn around you see that and i am starting to have a little bit of concern of what that stuff's going to be worth on the on the back side whereas like because it's not a a factory option it's just another setup you know and is a setup like any other thing on a planter if it's not the setup the guy wants is he will is it worth it to him to to go out and buy that piece and give that that money for that stuff so what's your take on that gina i mean what do you what do you think how do you think the overall long-term effects of used precision on planners is going to play out
1: yeah i'm a little bit nervous about it um just for the fact that that precision stuff it all adds up pretty quickly just Mm -hmm. like anything else does on a planner and um here in two, three years when the guy's looking at maybe doing something different besides precision um, or looking at upgrading, I'm a little bit nervous about what the value of that's gonna be. I think it almost depreciates faster than anything else you're putting on your planner, honestly, because who knows what kind of technology we're gonna have in two or three years on a planner. Um, So, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous as to, I think that depreciation's probably gonna add up pretty quickly on those precision parts.
0: I'm just interested, because we don't have enough data yet to even have a have a real suspect
1: mm-hmm. of, of what
0: that's going to look like and what that's going to feel like. But I, I look at it like any other fertilizer system that you have on something. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are different ways to set it up, and is that way that you set it up the way the next guy was going to want it? So I, I'm just kind of jury still out on what that looks like. We might be over just being overly cautious for no reason, but I just have that concern a little bit.
1: Yep. Fennel, what about you? What, what's your
0: thoughts on that?
2: Okay. I have a pretty hard hard, hard line stance on this topic. All right. Bring it on, North Korea. Shocker. Shocker right now. Anything you put on a planner over and above what John Deere puts on that planner or Agco or Case puts on that planner, as a farmer, as a smart business decision to your wallet, you count on getting No money ever back for that at trade-in. As a dealer, I would not offer anything extra because you could offer, well, this guy twenty thousand extra because he's got a thirty thousand dollar fertilizer system on there. Okay, fine. The next guy buys it, he's gonna throw. He wants nothing to do with it. He'll throw it on big iron, or it'll sit in the corner of the shed and eventually get thrown away. So that is my stance. As a dealer, you know, I that's wonderful if you have all this extra stuff on your planner. I get it. Move it to the next planner, or if your next planner already has that, you know, say you had a seventeen seventy and you put speed tube on it and V drive and all this stuff and you go up to an Xactimerge, it already has it on there. The John Deere, you know, one color solution then, you know, it is what it is. I think as a dealer, you still have to trade for that as a normal planter. It's got this extra stuff on it. That's great. Love to have it. But at the end of the day, you can't really allow for anything extra on that deal. As a farmer, I would always count on, you know, I bought this stuff for me to use and a trade in you know what's it weigh <laughs> right kind of like look at it this way okay say so you got a a John Deere 8R and for whatever reason you want to paint paint it paint it white all the whole track white okay just for just as an analogy here it have spent a the lot snow. of damn yeah you spend a lot of damn money to paint that tractor a different color, uh-huh. I and mean, it doesn't make it worth anymore.
0: I, I agree. You know well, I agree with what you're saying about. I agree with about seventy-two point five percent of that. The other twenty-seven and, well, and a half. The other, saying. the other twenty-seven and a half percent, I would say, depends on what it is, right?
2: You're
0: 27.5% wrong, and that's okay. Okay. Well, once again, I'm gonna prove it to you that I'm that I'm I got my shit together. Okay. So you ready for this? Here we go. Lay, 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 lay it out there, Jocko. All right. Here we go. <laughs> take for our, take planters in our area, for example, right? If they have a Surefire take pump. Take what? Take planters in our area, for example. Okay. Okay. If they have a Surefire fertilizer system on it, that's a Surefire Surefire pump, and they've got in-furrow fertilization, for the most part, that's a pretty common setup. Is that not? Right. Okay, so if it has that on there, the next guy around is probably going to have a similar setup that he's looking for something pretty close to that. might not be exactly right. 100%, but it's like 85 to 90% there, right? Now, the guy that comes in with the same setup with a shadow tracker, worth shadow tracker on the back, and it's got... You know all this different stuff all over it, and he's got a you know $250,000 planner back when planners were a hundred thousand bucks when they bought it new. That's when you start talking about whether or not the specs on that planner are actually matter, the extra add ons actually, actually matter. God, the most can't talk. That's when you start thinking about what what is what. It, 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 if it's something that you see pretty regular in your area. It's worth something. If it if it's not something you see pretty regular in your, it's not worth anything. Just because it's a hermaphrodite at that point, and then you have to figure out what you're gonna do with it.
2: Yeah, I guess I would agree with that. I agree, and I agree with that about seventy-two point five percent. Okay. So the law the law of averages were somewhere around fifty percent. Yeah. But. Yeah, you're, you're right. That is that is all but commonplace in a big, not just here, but a big chunk of the world, you know. the Surefire doesn't just sell shit in western Kansas and western Nebraska and eastern Colorado. I mean, you know, they're a big national company nowadays and guys have them all over. Mm-hmm. And so that you know, that's going to be a pretty common thing. I guess then you get into if, and if a guy's going in furrow, you want to use that example a guy's going in furrow, he's putting down a very small gallonage mm-hmm. so it's not a very big pump which doesn't cost a hell of a lot to start with then you're splitting hairs on throwing extra money at it
0: right, but yeah, at the end of the day you have to take a look at what you have and then start looking at what depreciation is from new how much is it worth new and then what's it worth the way it sets it's just one of those things where you have to be logical about what you're doing and make sure you have all your you know your ducks in a row and you start when, when well, you're trying to yeah. it
2: and it's its kind of like you know the first thing one of the first planer attachments that was ever popular is road cleaners right right you start looking at the road cleaner side of life and those are you know Say they're not John Deere, they're floating Marlins or Yetter Shark Tooth or whatever and or Martin, not Marlin. You're you're gonna keep out player where it has those and kick it down if it does not.
0: Yeah. You
2: know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's not so that that's a prime example from the man who said none of the extra shit's worth any money of the extra shit having to be there. Right. So, that's part of your 27.5%. All right.
0: So, what you're saying is
2: I was I was right then? You no. Know, I can call it a wash.
1: <laughs> you uh, got to be careful, though, too, because you don't want a guy going out there and having his fertilizer pump and all that stuff on there and then taking it off and turning in a bare-bones planter because... You know your your market value of that planner is going to be less because whoever buys it is probably going to have to go out and purchase then a fertilizer system and and all that kind of stuff too to put back on it. Yep. So. Which
0: which will weigh well, yeah. which will weigh against the price as well.
1: Right,
2: and that's what I'm getting at. If it is a John Deere piston pump with the John Deere fertilizer tank and John Deere openers, you know, that's all stuff from the factory and. I think that has good value. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where the hardest part is. Whether we're trading in planters ourselves or going and buying a planter for a guy somewhere else, the first question after Acres is, okay, I see what it has on it in the pictures. What does it have on it in real life? Because it's always different. Yep. You right, know, that's true. At zero, zero at zero hour. Well, cuts are to keep that those road cleaners. But you know, well been nice to know ahead of time. Now we gotta change things, you know. Yep, no, that's that's very true. Very true. So to Gina's point, she's exactly right. You got it, but you gotta you gotta know all that stuff way ahead of time.
0: Well knowing the whole story for whatever it is that you're doing ahead of time always makes sense. Good rule of thumb. <laughs>
2: It is. Typically, sometimes it's fun to roll the dice. What the hell?
0: Yeah. Well, I've I've seen crazier things happen before, you know. <laughs> this has I've seen combo our tractors with engines in the picture, and then you get there, the and the engine's not there. I've, I've done that. I've seen that happen. So that was always a pleasant well, surprise. that that would be pretty bad. In my response to the customer, at times, like, "Well, engines weren't a baseline." option in in that year so you had to order that extra (laughs) (laughs) didn't think it was as funny as i did um okay so one thing i love talking about here is the future all right and because the future is always cool because no matter what happens you can revise it when you get to it you know what i mean so it always works out for you in the end there you go all right so me and you me and aaron finnell we're talking about this last night and every so often I get a phone call from Aaron and, and it's a we have a, a deep thoughts by Jack Handy moment and it was it was one of those times last night where we were talking about kind of what I've, I've had this theory for a long time that as, as the farming operations get bigger um, and there's less and less customers to sell to that used equipment will become um, harder and harder to sell which obviously in that model that's not a, a big stretch but the idea being that that used equipment will start being more of a you know like a backup type scenario, or equipment will be ran longer on on the farm operations. They start looking at more and more cost of operation and what that looks like, right? And I am a firm believer that there'll be inventory managers on some of these larger farms, which there already are. Some of those folks that are already out there in some of these bigger operations. So, Aaron and I Conversation was revolving around, you know, someday a guy like us will be working for a large farmer, sitting across the desk from the John Deere dealer, the Case dealer, or whomever, and trying to figure out how to maximize our total cost per hour when we start looking at cost of operation anyway for a piece of equipment. Like, when's the right time to, to, to trade this piece off because we've maximized the depreciation versus the amount of of grain and harvested and all that stuff, you know, all these different things that were there. My thought is that as the number of, of farmers, smaller farmers, start to dissipate and the, the traditional used equipment buyer, um, we'll start seeing um, more of the mentality of, you know what, I'm gonna, we having a hard time, Mr. Customer, of, of doing these large multi-role, yearly multi-role stuff and we're gonna have uh, probably a little bit more, uh, approach of we're going to keep this longer and we want, we're going to buy more extended warranty and those kind of things to cover that. So what, what's your thought on that, Aaron, and, and, kind of pick up where we left off last night, I guess.
2: Well, I, this is something long time ago. I thought you were, I didn't think you were crazy. I just didn't see it as a viable option, but you know, as there has been so many guys get out here in the last three years or so, um, you know, they they had their good times and they're ready to quit anyway, and the good times are over, so we're out. And a big outfit comes in and gets even bigger with this guy's retirement and that guy's retirement and that guy's retirement. There's a lot of that going on. The are getting even bigger. Okay. So I think we're getting closer and closer to that being a reality. And there will be, you know, I I guess I agree. I could totally see a deal where a mega farm, as I will call it, will have a guy specifically there to handle the equipment business, you know, like in-house equipment business. Um, And it might be a, you know, like, purchasing agent type deal and also in charge of, you know, obviously managing that inventory and when when to move stuff, how to move it, where to move it, um, you know, I, I I, do. I think that will someday, and it's not like there's going to be thousands of these guys because there's not, there's only going to be so many operations that need this person on staff, but it—I I do think it will be a thing. Yeah. I think that the, the... And it's going to be, you know, and and that's the other thing with it. I, I think the the yearly roll mud. I do think that will that would taper off. Um. Just because of the as the. What I think you see more, and you might argue with this, but what I think you see more and more as the bigs get bigger, it's the middle guy, the intermediate guy, Mm -hmm. that phases out. Right, yep. Because you got a lot of, hey, you know, I own 200 acres, work at the bank in town, I come home and farm, I love it. It's my, you know, it's my vacation, it's my going to the lake, going to plant wheat, you know, that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that will always be there. There There'll always be a lot of those guys. And in recent years, I've seen several reports that size of operation, that type of operation has grown and grown and grown here in the last few years. Yeah. So, you know, I think you're always going to have, I think that'll grow. The bigs will get bigger. And the intermediate guys phase out. Well, when the intermediate guys phase out, is there's nowhere to go with the with the quote unquote mud trade in every year, right? Yeah, makes it tough. So yeah. a dealer's not gonna be super excited about doing it and it'll become cost prohibitive for the farmer to do it. So that, you know, that's just one more example of why that on staff equipment guy might you know might become a reality yeah when I think of a, of
0: of what that looks like and how, how that feels um, to me to me there is a man, it's almost like uh they they're they'll do gonna do the exact same thing that we do you know they're gonna buy and sell look at equipment, decide when, when is the time to sell it? Like, like, you know, like you just talked about, like the combine, for example, if you have your traditional farmer and and they've got spring crops and fall crops, they're going to have, you know, roughly 250 hours or so in in wheat and 250 hours in the fall and another 250 hours in wheat again next year. Well, that's, that's 750 separator hours, right? Does that make sense to sell, to trade that piece off then? Or does it make sense to go ahead and run it through the fall? You know, are you trying to time it so you have just-in-time inventory? So you're going to sell that piece right when you get out, and you got a new piece waiting for you first August type of deal, you know? And you do the same thing over again, but you go corn, wheat, corn, you know? And you and you're just and you're just looking at your cycle and doing that every year. What, what's that look like? There's a lot of dynamics that play into that. So what do you think, Gina? What's your take on that?
1: Um, I look at this theory or <laughs> um, idea is kind of similar to what's been going on in the construction inju- industry.
0: Very much, yeah.
1: Um, because, yeah. you know, if you look at items in the construction industry, you don't find loaders or whatever with 500 hours on them. You know, it's it's a lot higher hours. Um, and there's somebody that's actually physically managing those machines and when to trade them off. And, you know, a lot of them, a lot of construction equipment goes straight to auction Um, A lot of those dealers don't even take in trade-ins. They just sell the new pieces, and they let the companies deal with what they have left over. Um, So I think it could look a lot like the construction industry and how they manage that that equipment. Um, But, yeah, I definitely see probably the auction market playing an even bigger role in some of those as a resource for those farms.
0: Yeah, the only thing that concerns me about this model that I'm talking about here long run, and you start looking at how kind of mirrors what the construction stuff does. If you have a major construction company in wherever and they can easily go wherever they want to and go take a new road job or a bridge job or they can go build a building or whatever they want to do. When you start looking at farm ground, you're kind of locked to that area. you know. Unless the farmer decides, you know what, I'm going to go take I got a bunch of stuff here in Nebraska. I've kind of got what I can get today. I'm going to go to Wherever Wisconsin mm-hmm. or whatever, and buy a farm, and start farming up there, and start spreading out that way. But there's not that, you know, you know transient isn't the right word. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's that that idea that I can always go back out and come back, go out and come back, mm-hmm. and bring it around, and, and have multiple crews running all over the place and working all different parts, all 50 states and stuff like that. It's a little different because um, they're always building something. You're not yep. You're not always. You're definitely not always. Um, creating more land unless you're in Hawaii you know where you're they're getting some more land here as we speak so there's a that's the only part of this that concerns me a little bit is, is what does that look like mm-hmm. when you know I still think there's going to be what you call multiple unit discounts and those kind of things out there but it's going to be more geared because you're going to have guys that are looking at alright so I've got five combines uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run these three for X number of hours I'm going to kick number four out and then just keep one every year type of thing mm-hmm. or you know I've got 15 tractors out here I'm gonna take you know and I'm there made up of you know 150 horsepower and a, and a 200 horsepower and then a you know 300 plus horsepower row crop tractor and then I got some full drives over here I'm gonna rotate those segments out so I get four years worth of operation on all, all of my machines mm-hmm. it's all gonna be about how many bushels they you know they can produce with that with that piece of equipment and then what does that return look like when they do that and when they sell it and they maximize the depreciation, they maximize the hours and they maximize all the tax benefits that come with it and all the other things that are there and you're left with a proverbial shell of a machine here, what's it, what is my actual return on that piece and that's that's where I think the uh, kind of the nuts and bolts are, are yet to be tightened, you know what I mean, in my theory so, good times though hey I'm looking forward to, you. I'm jacked <laughs> Right on. All right, um, Fennel. Let's go ahead and make an announcement here. You're gonna you're gonna have some some great uh, radio partner. You're gonna have a great radio partner coming
2: up here with you here soon, aren't you? Well, yeah. It's it's not uh, carved in stone yet, but we're gonna have a new a new segment at least one time at least one time on the old moving iron podcast with my father who i inherited all my machinery love and knowledge and obsession i'll just call it an obsession from my father and he's gonna be we're gonna we're gonna try to make a run at this deal thursday and have a sit down and just talk like we talk for two hours every other night on the phone and and uh, see what happens here. So, kind of looking forward to it, and at least I am. I don't know that he is quite so much, but he's being a he's being a good sport and willing to give her a try. So,
0: <laughs> for sure, at least one time for sure we will have a back in the day with Aaron and Dave Fennel. Um, and, and I would guess I'd probably drop Friday. I would imagine after I get it all put together.
2: Right. Yep. So-
0: so back now, in the, Back in the day with Dave. Yeah. So now that I've announced this, and everyone's in, waiting with bated breath to to hear it come, it won't happen. And <laughs> then, then so sort I'll of go from there. It's how it always happens. I get jinxed every time.
2: No. No, he's locked in now, He's lo- Okay, well, good. That's what he's I'm talking about. He's locked in. He can't, he can't go, oh, shit, I ain't gonna do that. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. He's locked in, so... The T-shirt, the T-shirts are already ordered. The jackets are embroidered. It's too late to back out now. Too late. We got at least got to do
0: one, then, right? Yep. At least got to do one. All right. So I think we've uh, hammered this one pretty good. So Gina, if they want to find you on the interwebs,
1: um, cruising,
0: how to do that?
1: Sure, they can find me on Twitter at um, on Instagram and Facebook.
0: It's a soft J, like like yogi.
1: <laughs>
0: thanks Ron Bergen.
2: <Burgundy. laughs>
0: Fennel if I want to track you down for example and, and follow some of your great Twitter posts how would I do that
2: uh, at Aaron Fintel on Twitter or reach me by cell phone call text whatever 308-760-1193 Right on.
0: You can find me at Moving Iron Podcast, or I'm sorry, well, you can also find a Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron com. if you'd like to send me an email. You can find my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Also, check out my website, Moving Iron You can find past and present episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast, plus, find information for the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas. Um, you can also go to the, the uh, Moving Iron podcast youtube channel where you can find uh after the bell chip Nellier and tax moves with glenn Burnbaum. also uh, added kirk Hins from bam weather so every day you'll get a, a weather update from him as well so check that out uh, you'll see that post on twitter and also a uh, daily podcast as well so um i think that's all i've got jean you got anything you want to throw in no aaron okay. any last words of wisdom before we shut it down here well, I got a lot, but none of them here at the end. All right. Well, remember you can find this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, this is Casey Seymour.
1: Regina Nargis.
0: And Aaron Fennel.
1: Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard